three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we're going to recap the Bears' pathetic loss to the Giants coming up in just a second. Plus, a brand new interview today with Mike Harmon, the host of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. We talk with him extensively about some Bears football, White Sox baseball, so much more. It's a great interview. Comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook. John's a clue. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. I don't know where to start today. I have no idea. Usually I open up every show saying I'm going to start today with this. I don't know what to say. I know that every single part of the Bears game was a failure yesterday. I know that. We can't single out the quarterback or the defense or the coaching. Everybody failed. Everybody. Team-wide failure. That should have been a win. And look, I get it. The Bears are not going to be a great team. They're not competing for a playoff spot, but you know what? It's discouraging when you hear people say they're going to be good or people are improving, and it's clear that they're not. Look, I'm a realist. Told you last week I'm not going to sip the Kool-Aid on anybody. Justin Fields, Van Eberflus, Ryan Poles, certain players, Luke Gensey, not going to do it. Not going to hear it from me. And I'll tell you what right now, I am very concerned about this Bears team moving forward. We knew they weren't going to be good, and that's okay, but we expected something better than this. We expected some progress from Justin Fields, maybe better offensive cohesion from Luke Gensey. Maybe Bayless Jones Jr. actually holding on to a frickin' putt. But no, we saw horrendous errors throughout the entirety of yesterday's game. Justin Fields actually had a lot of opportunities to throw the football. He did. There were more pass plays called, and yet his numbers still don't indicate it. Fields 11-22 for 174 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, and a fumble. Now, to his defense, he's no offensive line now. Even though Justin Fields has issues in his own rank, he's no offensive line. This from Clay Harbor. As to the program last week, Bears center Sam Mustaper allowed seven hurries. That's hard to do from the center position. He graded out with a meager 8.3 pass blocking grade on PFF. 
So the Bears have no offensive line at all. They really don't. There's no protection whatsoever for Justin Fields. Now, that contributes a lot to the way he played. That said, still wasn't good for Fields. We'll get to that in a second. But first and foremost, you are not going to succeed. I don't care who you are if you have no offensive line. I like Sam Mostafar. I think he's a nice guy, good player. But, I mean, this is just unacceptable. I mean, seven hurries yesterday in one game. As the center, you're done, benched. The Bears have decent run blocking, but for some reason, they just can't protect Justin Fields. And it's getting pretty damn annoying, isn't it? I mean, I'm pretty damn annoyed by it. We're hearing people say all year, this is supposed to be the year of Justin Fields' development. You know what? He can't develop if he has a second to throw the football. He can't develop if everybody's coming after him, play in and play out, because we all know the offensive line sucks. But I'll tell you, Justin Fields, once again, did not impress me whatsoever. And yes, it's time to start panicking. It's time to be a little bit scared about that and concerned if you're not already. You could say Justin Fields is my QB, ride or die with QB1, but guess what? We're dying with QB1 right now. Everybody's dying with Justin Fields right now. Nobody's winning. Nobody. They could tell you. They could try and justify to you what he's doing. The fact is, worst passer rating in football today. Stats have come out worst passer rating in football today. Justin Fields. Everybody's savior is the worst quarterback in football right now. That is scary. I know it's developing, but that's cause for concern. Everybody's saying he's fine, he's fine, it's all good, he's still a great quarterback. He ain't a great quarterback, he's a meager, at best quarterback, he's a mediocre quarterback. It's true, based on rating, based on numbers. Justin Fields said yesterday in a quote, numbers don't tell the whole story. Well, they kind of do, Justin. I love you, but they kind of do. They kind of tell me that you're a pretty bad quarterback right now. And if you don't buck up and get better, and if the team around you doesn't get better, you're going to suck, and you might end up being a bust. So numbers do matter. They all do for everybody. They matter. The Bears ran out of town Mitch Trubisky for an 89.5 passer rating. Previous quarterbacks, Jay Cutler, Josh McCown, there's somebody we can name with better passer ratings than Justin Fields, and they were killed by the fan base, by media, by the Bears themselves. So, yes, numbers matter. And by the way, you only have a couple of more years in your rookie contract. If you don't show something, Justin Fields, in these last 14, 13 games, what do you think is going to happen? Not all on him, though. His best friend, Luke Getze, isn't doing anybody any favors. What kind of a game was that yesterday called, play calling-wise? Oh, my goodness. I tweeted it out. It looks like Luke Getze is really a novice at play calling, and he is. So for everybody who... Raised this higher. We talked about this back in May, back in April. Remember, Luke Getze has never called plays at the NFL level. He's been a good college coordinator and a passing game coordinator, whatever the hell that means, out in Green Bay. I, I don't know what that even means, what it entails duties-wise, but I do know this. He sucks as an offensive coordinator right now. Cold, hard reality. He has not helped Justin Fields one bit. He's done nothing to help out Justin Fields. Absolutely nothing. 
He's been another stumbling block for Fields' development. Same like Matt Nagy. Yes, similar to Matt Nagy. He's been a stumbling block. He's been hurting more than helping Justin Fields right now. I don't know. In my book, if this doesn't get better by week 10, I would fire Luke Getzey. I would. Nobody will advocate for that. Nobody will say that you're going to call me an overreactor, but I would. Time is of the essence here. We need to see improvement for Justin Fields, or else he's not going to be the quarterback anymore, and the Bears are going to have to redraft and redo this again. Time is of the essence. So if I were the Bears, I'd do everything you could to help out Justin Fields, or if he doesn't have it, let's see it, and then move on. I would fire Luke Getzey by week 10 if this continues. This is horrible. Horrible play calling, horrible offense, horrible strategy. He is not helping Justin Fields whatsoever. There was one deep pass, Darnell Mooney, great connection, 50-plus yards, and that's it. Why? But I can't give all the credit to the offense. Let's talk about the defense, too. So Daniel Jones is a bust, okay? Everybody knows it. I mean, year four in New York, last year, Brian Dable, still not really doing too well. He had two rushing touchdowns yesterday. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones! Had two rushing touchdowns. What are we doing? This guy's more well-known for tripping at a big run in prime time than actually playing well. And yet, he and Brian Dable, who could have been the Bears head coach, carved up the Bears yesterday. Good for Dable. I'm actually happy. I'm really happy for him. Rub it in the Bears' face that they passed on you. The Bears made a big mistake in not hiring him. Big mistake there. Daniel Jones, who is a bust. I don't care what anybody says. New York Giants fans will tell you he's a bust. And yet, two rushing touchdowns. The same plays. Bootleg this way, bootleg that way. How is he open? Where's the pass rush? Daniel Jones wasn't even hit yesterday. And Justin Fields took how many sacks? Five. Remember, this isn't the Baltimore Ravens, the Bears face, the Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Green Bay Packers. No, it's the New York Giants. <laughs> and the Giants carved him up. And the Bears only put up 12 points. The New York Giants. The same team who the Bears completely dismembered this year, January 2nd with Nick Foles, a quarterback, and Matt Nagy, head coach. So less than a year later, the Bears are getting their ass handed to them by the Giants. Again, Saquon Barkley had 146 yards. The Bears gave up over 270 rushing yards. Two hundred seventy rushing yards again to the Giants. They deserve to lose. That's what I said to open up this show. They deserve to lose. When you're giving up 270 yards to the Giants, when you have Daniel Jones rushing for two touchdowns, you deserve to lose. You deserve to get your ass handed to you, and they did. And good for Brian Dable. Good for him. I'm happy for him. Stick it up the Bears' butt that they didn't hire you, that they passed on you, that you didn't even make it past the first round of interviews because that's the truth, according to reports. The Bears didn't even have him as a second-round candidate. Really? Is he that bad of a coach? I don't think so. Giants are 3-1, and one, Bears are 2-2. Two and, two. and Daniel Jones, who is a bust, put up D 
decent numbers, at least on the ground yesterday against this Bears defense. Oh, no, Mooney had a decent game. But that was it, receiving-wise. By the way, Cole Komet, three catches for 16 yards. Time to pull the plug on him. I've been saying this for two years now. He's a bust, and we just see it more and more each and every day. I don't care if the offense isn't catered to him. Oh, Matt Nagy never used tight ends. Well, guess what? Luke Getze isn't either. I don't think it's a coincidence that Cole Komet has never fully come on. I think he's a bust. I'm going to keep saying it every week until he proves me wrong, and right now he hasn't proved anybody wrong. He's a bust. I would move on from him now. Bring somebody else in. Bring in some young blood. Bring in somebody who actually wants to try and get better because Cole Komet isn't. It's the same old story from Cole Komet week in, week out. want to say this, too. The funny part is the Bears had a chance this entire game to make something happen. They really did. In the red zone, four times, four field goals. I mean, there were opportunities to strike and to win. And with about four minutes left, everybody's Mr. Overhype man, Bayless Jones Jr., just had to catch a punt. Didn't have to return it. Did not have to return the punt. Just had to catch it. Could have let it bounce. But no, he mucked it. Put out in a tweet... I guess Bayless Jones Jr. did make a big impact on today's game. You know, I saw tweets before the game saying Bayless Jones is going to revitalize the offense. I'm so happy he's back. But we didn't see anything from him yesterday except for a muff and costing truly the game. That wasn't all on Jones, but situationally, it was. Had he made that catch, maybe the Bears could have driven downfield and scored. I know it's wishful thinking, but still, the chance for that was taken away from them because Jones can't catch a punt. I would seriously consider benching him. Yes, I would. You got to make a catch, dude. Got to make a catch on the punt. It's a kick. It's a punt with four minutes to go. And you're losing. There's no pressure. Just make the catch. Knee it. Call for a fair catch. Wave your hands in the air. Make the catch. He's already a bust in my book, and he has a lot to do to change my mind. Everybody hyping up Bandless Jones Jr. Guess what? He hasn't played all year. Comes in, first game, up. Bears lose. That's an indictment on Ryan Poles, too. It is. It's Ryan Poles' trusted draft pick. The Bears drafted him in the third round. They passed up on other wide receivers early. And look what happened. And Kyler Gordon made a ton of bad plays yesterday, too. Now, he's a rookie. He's going to have to have time to develop. But still, Kyler Gordon had a lot of missteps yesterday, too. I don't know what to make of this Bears team. Everybody's saying, hey, at least they won. At least they're 2-1. No, this is why the Bears are now 2-2, two two, why they're going to be a lower-tier team in the NFL. I'd love to sit here and sip the Kool-Aid. I'd love to sit here and tell you, hey, Justin Fields did great, and the Bears' defense did better. Bayless Jones was a big player on offense. None of that happened. None of it. Everybody sucked. There was maybe one, maybe two positives. Going to count Darnell Mooney and Cleo Herbert. That's it. There was nothing else worth watching. They all sucked. They blew the game. Threw it. Looked like they were playing to lose. And what I loved is the lateral play late in the game. You know, it's so funny. That was an embodiment of the entire game for the Bears. <sighs> they had barely anything to work with there, but they barely drove downfield. They had nothing, and they tried to make something happen. Didn't work. They need to trust more Justin Fields, and 
forced him to make mistakes. And I hate to say it, but it's the truth. Hey, if he sucks, let's all see it. Let's all watch him throw for five interceptions in a game, but I'd rather see that than whatever the hell this is. I, I don't even know what this is. From Fields and from Luke Getze. I have no idea what I'm watching right now. This reminds me a lot of Matt Nagy. Yes, it does. Don't want to hear it, but that's the truth. This reminds me a lot of Matt Nagy. Some cute sets, cute plays. They all don't work because they suck. No trust in Justin Fields to throw the ball deep, even though he's proven that he could. And us still having questions about whether or not Fields is the guy. This is Matt Nagy 2.0. Everybody, oh, Luke Getzey's great. He worked with Aaron Rodgers. He didn't do anything over there. All of his play-calling experience was at Mississippi State in the 2000s. He's learning on the job like everybody else is. Since when did the Bears become a minor league baseball team? They could have had Brian Dable. Chose not to. Could have had Shane, the Giants GM. Didn't want to. Could have found a better play caller with more experience. Chose not to. This Bears team is a joke. This is an AFL team. This is a minor league football team. Everybody on this team is touted for promise or for growth. And that's okay with me. But nobody's growing and nobody's shown promise. Nobody's shown promise on this team. Get the hell out of here. I haven't seen anything impressive. Nothing. Okamatsu a bust. Bandless Jones is a bust, potentially. Justin Fields is in big trouble. Luke Getsy sucks at play calling. The defense can't make plays. They're giving up 100 rushing yards a game like it's nothing. Daniel Jones is carving up this defense. That's the biggest insult to Bears football. The Bears are known for defense, for bone-breaking defense, and Daniel Jones carves them up. I wonder what some of these 85 Bears who are still alive watching this game thought. Really, I do. The Bears are known for their bone-crushing defense. And Daniel Jones, who is at best a journeyman, mediocre NFL quarterback, rushed, rushed for two touchdowns. What are we watching? This isn't Bears football. This is AFL football. This is XFL football. I don't even know what the hell this is. Not to mention the fact that Justin Fields turned the ball over again. Not to mention the fact that Bayless Jones Jr., Mr. Oh, I'm going to rejuvenate the offense, can't catch a freaking punt. Oh, yeah, and Cole Komet, everybody's favorite tight end, is a bust. Yeah, the Bears have a lot to work on. And it's going to be a freaking long, long season if this sort of play continues. It is. And I'm not being too harsh. I'm really not. I know they weren't going to be good this year. I'd rather see the Bears lose 35-28 or have it be a close game. They blew this game. They threw it away. They could have won. You lost to Daniel freaking Jones and the Giants. You lost to a head coach you could have hired and a GM you could have hired. That doesn't look too good. You lost because Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones ran for two touchdowns. Justin Fields threw no touchdowns. Justin Fields was being pressured every five seconds. The offensive line sucked. Fields sucked. 
Nobody got open. Downfield. Defense sucked. I don't know what I'm watching anymore. I know the roster isn't there. I, I know. But this is not an overreaction. you got to play better than this. I get you're not going to be good this year. I get you're asking fans to wait till next year. But I'll tell you what. Ryan Poles' draft picks right now are all on thin ice. Gordon sucked. Bayless sucked. So there's two. Hebner did okay, but he's not a big-time draft pick. The point is, we're already talking about a referendum on Poles, on Eberflus, on Fields. Everybody right now is going to be held accountable no matter what. No matter if they're not going to be a good team this year, everybody deserves to be held accountable. And right now, the Bears are going to be held accountable going 2-2. Two two. They should be the 3-1 team right now. They blew this game. They lost to the Giants. And Justin Fields, everybody's favorite quarterback, did not show any progress. And as of today, statistically, he's the worst-rated passer in football. That's a fact. I'm not trying to spew hatred. It's the truth. I'm looking at it right now. He is the worst-rated passer in football. There's nobody worse than him. Nobody. He's the worst quarterback by rating in football. Anybody have that on their bingo card? So you can't give me the field's getting better narrative. It's not going to work. He's getting worse. So then what's the point of even watching this team this year? The whole point was to watch Justin Fields develop. The whole point was to see him throw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, watch him lose, but it's okay. Fields is doing great. Lighten up the stat sheet. Winning some games that maybe they shouldn't have won because of him. The Bears have yet to win a game because of Justin Fields. They've yet to win a game due to him. They've lost games because of him, but they haven't won a game yet due to him. And all the other rookies that everybody touted and hyped up, including Bayless Jones, have a lot of explaining to do on the field. They do. This was a dumpster fire. This was an abomination to the Bears football name. When you let Daniel Jones rush for two touchdowns on your defense and your name is the Chicago Bears. That's an abomination. That's pathetic. That's sad. And that's just an insult to the legacy of the Chicago Bears. Think about that. Everybody, Bears fans, media players, think about that. You tarnished Bears' legacy yesterday. You did. It's not an overreaction. Daniel Jones should not be rushing for two touchdowns against any Chicago Bears defense. I don't care if this is 85 Bears, 2016 Bears, 2022 Bears. The Bears are known for their defense. They should not be letting Daniel Jones have the same play call, same rollout option, and rush for two touchdowns without being touched. That's an insult and an abomination to the Bears' name. It is. And then offensively, which is not surprising to the Bears' name, nobody performed. Everybody who said, oh, hey, this guy's going to perform, they didn't. Justin Fields sucked. Cole Komet sucked. Bayless Jones blew the game in this situation. Nobody played well. Bad play calling. Bad blocking. Everything was bad. That's what I said to open up this show. There was nothing good yesterday. Everybody failed from top down. Everybody. They deserve to be ashamed of this loss, and everybody deserves to hold their feet to the fire. Remember, keep them accountable. I know everybody wants to be a fan. Ooh, new regime, new coach, new GM, new quarterback. Hold them accountable. Whether they win or lose. 
If they win, there's no accountability. Hey, great job. They lost. And it was pathetic. And it was sad to see the way they lost, the way they played, their conduct, what they let happen. Hold the Bears accountable. Tell you right now, don't give them a pass here. Don't give Justin Fields a pass. Don't give Matt Eberflus a pass. Don't give Ryan Poles a pass. Don't give Luke Getze a pass. Criticize them if they do wrong. This game has still made me sick. And I am just completely disappointed in what we saw on Sunday. I hope you are too, because there's nothing else to say, and there's no other word to describe this game other than failure. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Mike Harmon comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here returns the glory. We have Frank and Brady for today's special guest. He's a host on Fox Sports Radio, the founder of SwollenDome.com, and the host of the I Want Your Flex podcast. Please welcome Mike Harmon to the program. Mike, it's always a pleasure. How are you? What's going on, buddy? Uh, nice. Uh, while we cap off uh, a season that needed to go away, I'm still trying to figure out what that Northwestern game was. And then it's Bears season, and it looks um, like it's going to be a long one. <laughs> what do you make of that game on Sunday, Mike? missed opportunities, inability to sack a quarterback, it, which is funny because your entire practice schedule is against the guy with the same skill set as Daniel Jones. Can't really complete the downfield pass, doesn't have time to complete a downfield pass, and is likely to scramble. Ergo, you should probably be fairly adept at sniffing out run attempts, and yet he's able to dance into the end zone twice unscathed. I mean, it played out. Um, uh, obviously, except for the final score and the loss of Santos, I don't think that changes a ton, but still something that you have to ponder. But when you when you look at it, no Montgomery, Herbert is solid, right? Averaging over six yards, Gary, they can run the ball. But when you're coming up to any pressure up the gut, I, I don't know what's wrong with your, your interior three is that they can't snap the ball and get enough off the – the snap to be able to actually protect. So you have no pocket. So I, I keep reading about his pocket presence, even Eber uh on Tuesday morning, talking about pocket presence. Like you don't have a pocket. How do you have a presence? If you don't have a pocket and your, your first step left or right has to be to avoid a guy coming straight up the gut on you with some regularity, you're devoid of playmakers. Uh, in the end, I thought the bears would win the game, just running the football making an extra play with the legs. In the end, it went the other side. How concerning was Justin Fields' performance? Uh, has it gotten better, at least? Have you seen any improvement so far through these four games? Threw the ball with authority two or three times. How's that? The deep ball to Darnell <laughs> Mooney. He puts a little air under it. It's a touchdown, right? Mooney has his man beat and beaten, but it's a it's a laser shot that he's got to dive and adjust and everything too. So it's one of those where it's like, all right, that's an opportunity that'll be there perhaps in the future, put a little more air on it. The other ball that he got to Mooney right off the jump, good zip right down the middle. Uh, beyond that, 
Like, I, I don't know. I, I agree with Ryan Clark, some of the other national pundits, try to remove myself, try to remove my fandom from it and say. Uh, is not going to be uh, very good from a pass perspective. And for him, he's also got to know when, when to get rid of the ball. Right. That's one thing watching, say, we'll get into Trubisky and that Steelers Jets game. Cause like a dope, I went back and watched both their games in their entirety again. Watched them Sunday, went back and did it again. Those are three hours of my lives, my life, even in an edited form. I'm never getting back. But Zach Wilson wasn't perfect by any stretch, gets the win. But what he does do when he gets outside the pocket, he recognizes it, whether it's underhanded whether it's flipping it just however, he's getting the ball out of bounds, right? It's an incomplete pass. Live to see another day. Don't take the sack. Don't give up the yardage, right? You're not good enough as an offense to withstand any negative plays. So penalties and things that put you off schedule are going to absolutely murder this offense. Are you convinced at this point that Justin Fields is still the guy for the Bears? I At this point, I'm sure. Six weeks from now, we may have a very different conversation. Look, obviously what this front office and coaching staff inherited is a grossly imperfect team devoid of a lot of playmakers, right? If you're starting to stack in the box of here's the guys we keep, right? It's it's like you're doing your spring cleaning. Stuff that you really love, right, and hold dear, collected from years of your life. Stuff that's kind of a, all right, I'm not quite ready to get rid of it. And everything else is like, you know, if, if it's going to make somebody else happier, let it go. The Bears, 90% of the stuff is in that right pile saying, you know what? You want it? Come get it. Right? There's very few guys. Like, you, you take Roquan, even, but it's still with the contract situation. So how much does he want to be there? Right? And going forward, you know, how does that work? We saw the defense get old fast, try to rebuild on the fly, and you got a couple of pieces that are that are solid, but are they great? No. The offensive line we talked about, you can run block, can't pass block for anything. And the wide receivers, and, and th- this goes into my criticism of the game, and even though I don't like to bite the hand that feeds in the larger Fox family, I put it up on Twitter. I saw you, you responded to it. Like, at some point, if you don't want to do the game, don't do the game. Like you're mocking the product. Like these guys are working their asses off. You know, Moose is a former NFL player. Joe Davis is a guy that he's a guy. Uh, so the the idea that you're just going to mock down distance and the fact that these teams are struggling. All right, talk about why. Talk about where the lapses are. Talk about what you're seeing that could be better, particularly from obviously the analyst chair. But it, it got frustrating to just watch it from that perspective. Nobody was expecting perfection. Nobody was thinking they were walking into the Louvre and seeing <laughs> masterworks on display. You were hoping for a couple of splash plays, and you knew the run games for both teams would be good, right? Barkley looks like the guy that was drafted in 2018. And Khalil Herbert is a guy that I really like. I liked him coming into the year, and the more I watch him play, you know, I, I like him and, and my my man crush on David Montgomery as well, well noted here and in other formats. But you have very few pieces that you just say, all right, they're 
they're lockstep guys. So it's hard to put a grade on fields in that respect. You know, do you see enough where with some coaching, with some refinement, he can get there? I think so at this moment. But as we know, the clock in the NFL ticks pretty fast. How fast do you think it's going to tick for fields? If we see nothing by the end of this year, is it time to move on? Or how should the Bears approach this? Well, you're only going into year three of, of his career, right? And if you're looking at the draft, is that guy going to – like if you're, if you're looking at the quarterback class, because that's all I keep hearing. Well, look at the quarterbacks. That'll be out. Do they solve your problems? No, your roster still stinks. Is anybody coming to play on that trash field? No. <laughs> like we watch it time and time again. And then you talk to guys candidly, they won't put their name on it but they, they don't want to go there because the, they're fearful of what, because the park district does a terrible job. That's why anytime anybody wants to argue about Arlington Heights, it's something they would own. They can control. It's not a monster truck rally on a Saturday night ahead of a home game. It's not a high school football game followed by a soccer game on a Friday into said monster truck rally or concert on a Saturday. You control it. You have more say and you can't, expand so in this day and age owning the land like anywhere you know you're you're recently finishing your economics classes and everything what do you want you want to own the land own your piece of property (laughs) but but in that but in that respect like you don't have enough draft picks or the ability and they're gonna have a lot of money to spend i'm not saying you know we're all well aware of the salary cap but how are you going to convince top players to come i mean you've tried before does it happen? No. And then you get a guy and then a year, less than a year in, they're unhappy and want out. And so I, I don't, it's not a quick fix. So saying, Hey, we, if we finish this, well, and that's the problem is they're just good enough to mess things up too. Right. Cause you made you're not going to pick that early. You're two and two the next two games are at Minnesota and then Washington. Guess what? You're probably three and three because the Washington games at home, and your defense is going to be good enough to terrorize Carson Wentz. We stipulate that. And Kirk Cousins, who the hell knows on a given day? You can go <laughs> in and win that game if things break right. But legitimately, after six games, you're three and three. How many games is Houston winning? I mean, Lovey probably should be out of a job in the next week or two. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a disaster. Him again. <laughs> but but well but that's the th- like they wanted to stabilize and that's all fine and good but that's not pushing you forward right so you're wasting i don't know how good or bad davis mills is but he's got no chance in that system and lovey plays what i call loser ball he doesn't play to win <laughs> everything's conservatism they should have beaten the colts they sh- they should have two wins right now yep. and then they botched this entire i mean defensively they're a disaster and a banged up, beaten down Chargers team came in and stomped all over them. Let them back in the game, but eventually took care of business. But again, the the point just being from a personnel standpoint, one guy's not changing it. So saying, hey, let's go get this quarterback. Who's throw, who's he throwing the ball to? Who's protecting it? Same with the offensive line too. I think Sam Mustafer gave up seven uh, hurries. Um, on yep. Sunday, and that's just the center position. I mean, the offensive line has certainly not helped out fields whatsoever. No, but that, that's what I was alluding to before, right? There's there's the supercut making the rounds of guys literally walking in on him at the snap. 
like you can't succeed as a quarterback with that. I mean, it's elemental football. So what do you, you need to have a, a fullback, right? I mean, is that it? We're going to have to, the running backs can't go out in the pass attempts. I mean, that that's, that's where Fields is making all his hay. 10, 10 completions out of 11 attempts to Herbert and to Montgomery, right? They're not getting the ball downfield. Cole Komet's a, he's a jag to take Mike Mayock's terms. Um, well, right. Just a guy. Sure. That, that's it. He's just a guy at this point. Anybody that thought he was going to suddenly become a star or what Greg Olson showed you in flashes when he was here before that Mike Marks problem. Uh, <laughs> but we'll leave that there. Uh, I've had some great conversation with uh, Greg Olson in the past on his time in Chicago, and he's more and more opening up uh, about what all happened there. But like Komet's just a guy. Equinemius St. Brown, just go on down the line. You don't have anybody that's going to bail you out right now. You don't have that guy to just say, all right, he's going to stick in. He's going to wait. He'll take the hit, you know, to get the eight yards. That guy doesn't exist on this roster. So Fields' internal clock has to be so fast about, especially with that internal pressure, right? You don't get no pocket. So just like the failures of the regime before, how are we not rolling? How are you not getting him on the run? And making it a little bit easier. You got a guy that's completing 50% in a league where average is 64, right? When we talk about guys that are mediocre are 63, 64%, they're not quality passing guys. Everybody else is up. Geno Smith is completing 75% of his passes for crying out loud. That's where we're at behind a <laughs> terrible offensive line and a team that was for all intents and purposes, looking like they were going to try to tank. This guy's flying up and down the field. Fields is the worst-rated passer in football right now. I did not expect that entering 2022 at all. No, I, I mean, I expected better. But again, it goes part of his coaching. Sure. But the other part is pers- the other part's personnel. What do you got, right? Allen Robinson left. He was salty. I would love to talk to him now after what, What's going on with the Rams? By the way, the Rams are a bad football team right now outside of Cooper Cup. Uh, a lot of folks in Chicago probably didn't stay up to watch Monday night, and that's good. That's good. <laughs> Unless they stayed up to watch the, uh, you know, greater uh, the White Sox fan, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, they, they, or they needed a fantasy win or something. Uh, a lot of folks tuned that out. Let me tell you, they're, they're not good right now, and Allen Robinson is seen on the side of a milk carton. I didn't, I didn't expect that either, Mike. I mean, he only has 98 yards, five catches so far with the Rams. Uh, I thought he would have done much better in a different system without Matt Nagy. Well, but he's not, he's not even getting targeted. Like, right. that's the problem is Van Jefferson's hurt. Your, their offensive line, and I talk about this on the show all the time. My guy Jason Smith gets mad at me. I, I love interior play, <laughs> offensive and defensive lines. I've joked for years, right? If I suddenly had money to go buy game-worn jerseys of these guys or – or really wanted to kiss people's asses and try to ask for stuff. I want all interior guys, centers, you know, the only crooks of the world and, and the guys going back to the eighties that all they did was mash the guys on the, the defensive lines. Vince Wilk, Wilfork is one of my heroes. Hello de nada. Those guys, they just ate space, right? That, that's what they did. And so watching, you know, the offensive line for the Rams, Stafford's a sitting duck. He's got Cooper cup and nothing. Right, Tyler Higby had 10 catches in the game on Monday night as the hot route bailout guy. Good player, but beyond that, 
the, the running game is terrible. Uh, Cam Akers can't fall forward. Daryl Henderson has got to be used as a blocker because the offensive line's so bad. And then you look at Robinson. I mean, there, one, there's to some degree no time to throw to him, but the other, do, there doesn't seem to be any inkling to even go in his direction. Pretty uh, damning indictment of a guy that uh, they're paying $15 million a year to. Mike Harmon here on Sports Talk Chicago. Mike, what was your reaction to Mitch Trubisky's benching in Pittsburgh? It was inevitable, unfortunately, right? It's the Thanos snap and all the Avengers movie. <laughs> I am inevitable. Fan base, restless, Tomlin starting to grasp at straws a bit. I asked the question, not very popular. Is it time? Is it time for Tomlin to find another challenge? And maybe this is the challenge. You know, we talked with Jason Lock and Four a little bit. And he points out, remember, he inherited Roethlisberger still on the ascent, Super Bowl winner, all of that, and he was there forever. The only thing he had to worry about was how many plays he was going to take himself off the field before reinserting himself. Didn't miss a lot of games. I, I joke because that's, that's just a running narrative for many years. A guy who let you know he was hurt and that he was going to come back and be the hero uh, as often as he could. But – so for Tomlin, you've got an offense that's broken, Matt Canada. you got receivers that are on paper better than what they perform. And Deontay Johnson, a lot of drops. Uh, your most consistent guy is Fryermuth. Maybe Chase Claypool's six foot four, and he won't fight through anybody for a ball, which is, I mean, you were blessed with that. And that, that should be the one attribute, right? Go eat space, get Get your arms up, box out. See, that's almost basketball season. I watched the Lakers lose by 30 on one of my monitors yesterday. <laughs> uh, but the but the idea is that, you know, you, you look at that squad and Najee Harris is missing holes. I don't know how much you've looked at all 22 stills that have made their way the last couple of weeks. He's running behind six and into a pile of six guys when there's a gaping hole if he just – does a quick step back to his right or, you know, inverse. Uh, there's a, a bunch of missed opportunities. Uh, we, we look at Trubisky overall, short intermediate game, right? You're not, you're not getting help from the run game. Your offensive line's not good. Again, I, 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 if I could, I'd, I'd do everything I could. Any guy that had uh, walking around that was 6'3 or taller, I'd, I'd get him into an offensive line guru. You can make a lot of money. Just standing there, just take up space, get in this guy's way. And they're not doing it. Like they're, they're terrible too, but he didn't play well enough to overcome the calls. He didn't play well enough to, to push the one in three desperate to a degree in division, right? Cause Cincinnati started badly. Now they're two and two and eventually they'll figure it out. I, again, line play and Joe Burrow's inability to have his own internal clock speed up to get rid of the ball, he takes way too many hits. But they're a better team, right? The roster's better. On paper, Pittsburgh should be competitive. And missing T.J. Watt, they fall apart defensively. Mika Fitzpatrick was gifted a would-be touchdown. Like, he scored one, should have had a second. Instead, the Jets win the game. But Kenny Pickett, you could see that the wide receivers had a little more juice for him when he came in, like there was, there was a little extra, a little extra fight through a little extra, you know, after the catch. So inevitable, 
sorry to see it happen to Mitchell, but maybe, maybe he ends up getting dealt somewhere. He's still going to be a captain for Sunday's game, though. Surprising. <laughs> Against Buffalo, they're still sending him out as a captain. Wow. Do you think oh, he gets down? What's that? Do you think he gets down? He could. Really? Sure. There's, a, there's enough teams that could use a, a backup. And in Pittsburgh, they're not going to go back to him unless Pickett were to get hurt. Right? I think at this point, you've, you've now cast your die. Right? He was announced on Tuesday morning on the depth chart listed as number one. Tomlin, before the season, said, I don't see a, a way or a hit for him to get on the field. Middle of week four, he's on the field. So internally, I think they wanted some juice. Maybe there's more upside. Maybe they just start winging it around something that Mitchell, as a veteran quarterback, wasn't willing to do. Right? I mean, there's there's different ways to look at it. Because some guys, I, I, I've always wondered how much they're protective of their QBR, their touchdown-to-interception ratio, and stat padding kind of thing. I don't know that Mitchell's that guy, but I think he tries to play it to where he's not putting the ball in harm's way. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen, right? He had a couple of balls, um, like every quarterback does, really, that could have gone either way, had the one pick before he got sat down, but should have had the touchdown to Johnson if he's better with his feet, right? That was a bullet straight down the middle that, you know, does it change the decision? No, I'm, I'm convinced based on the way the narrative was pushing Pickett was going to see the field because against the jets, because their next few games are awful. Like they're not, I mean, they're 14 point underdogs to Buffalo and then the schedule the next month is awful. So they're kind of putting and feeding him to the wolves potentially based on the defenses that'll get after him. But trial by fire might be what Mike, Mike Collins looking for here. How should bears fans feel about this? situation is vindication the right word or what would you describe it as i i don't at this point you just kind of shrug right and because really if you, if you want to do the how sad anybody should be just watch a montage of, of patrick mahomes i guess but nobody considered mahomes that guy coming out of college so anybody doing that is kidding themselves right maybe you can find a tweet here and there or whatever that was like, oh, this guy's going to be a monster. But I would guarantee it would tie back to people that were fans of his in college, <laughs> right? Or just wanted to see splashy play from boring, nondescript offenses. And again, having a guy like Travis Kelsey there, having, I mean, not to say he's not, I mean, he's all world. And I, they're doing exactly what I thought they would. Spread the ball around more maybe get some extra juice out of the run game and their defense is better than, than I think anybody gave them credit for. But in the end, give me Andy Reed and Mahomes. I think I'll feel okay. But for bears fans, you got a new regime. This is year one. So try to find some positives based on what they brought into the roster, wherever you can look to the draft and say, okay, this guy is serviceable or maybe he can grow in beyond that. I mean, the expectations were low. Right. You wanted to see improvement from fields. You want him to be that guy. And we do this with every quarterback that comes into the city. You want him to take over. Remember, the Saints were the big winner in that whole Mitchell Trubisky draft day thing. They got Alvin Kamara with the pick they got from the 49ers in the mid rounds. 
guy, otherwise journeyman and a bunch of miss. So even though the team won, it wasn't because of that draft. It wasn't because of what they did there. Uh, and Trubisky got you to two playoff runs. So, you know, I got I got I to be fair. Like if Nagy can still be loved by media and some, in Chicago, generally not, but by national who don't watch it day to day. But if they want to still celebrate him, they can't go and excoriate Mitchell at the same time. If you're going to give him credit for the playoff runs, you got to give Mitchell those as well. Is he a great player? No. Is he a serviceable player? Sure. And at this point, he's now in the stopgap starter part of his career. I mean, that's that's where it's going to be unless he can go to the right squad, catch fire with a great personnel. But for the, the front office, look, they changed out the names. I don't know that the results change. More to come with Mike Harmon in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Mike Harmon still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Mike, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, the White Sox. How disappointing was their season? We talked about it earlier in the year, John, and it didn't get any better. <laughs> right? Lack of day will play. Um, I, I struggle for words because even though this is, you know, a um, little different format than, you know, someone standing over me with a giant red button. I, I don't want to curse because I was inspired to curse quite a bit during the course of the season. I mean, to put it in perspective, you know, something my brothers have always tried to do. And, and I try to make sure we got time when the White Sox are anywhere in the vicinity. We try to find a game. I wasn't inspired to take a night off or change plans to go see them. Right. Finishing up in San Diego this past weekend at a soccer game with my daughter, miles from nowhere. We, Probably could have really stretched it if we wanted to, but I still had to get up at four o'clock to do a radio show on Sunday morning. So you know, so, some some things that need to need to get taken care of. But it's like I wasn't compelled because I was disappointed in the effort. And it's not often you can say that in a team where it didn't look outside of a handful of guys. I guess it's the same analysis as the Bears. Outside of a handful of guys, where you were getting an, a, a full on effort every game. Right. And, and we could point to all the stats. I mean, hell, Albert Pujols has more home runs since August 1st than any member of the White Sox had on you. In that ballpark, in that ballpark, we talked about the last time you and I got together, the number of players being thrown out trying to stretch for an extra base. I like aggressiveness. Aggressiveness becomes stupidity. Your pitching staff stunk. You were counting on Johnny Cueto to find magic. And he had a, a, what, three strikeouts per walk and, and gave you some good innings. But like Kopech, 25 starts, 119 innings. I mean, that's not sustainable baseball. I mean, you, you can't tax. And I, and I know the hallmark of La Russa, he was the guy that invented a lot of the bullpen management back in the day. You, you don't have guys that can get you five consistently let alone get you to the seventh or eighth, except in that once in a blue moon thing. So by August, their arms are dragging on the ground. You can't get guys in the lineup, I mean, hang nails and whatever, take guys out for weeks at a time. <laughs> Obviously I exaggerate, but you know, Robert couldn't stay in the lineup. Eloy 
as much as I love the guy when he's in the lineup, I'm not banking on him to be there. You got five guys who could be DHs. I guess they could play every day if they could all DH. Problem is there's only one slot that you can do that with. Anderson was terrible in the field. Batting was fine before he got hurt, but he was awful. And shortstop's got to be, you know, your fire starter and your glue guy from a defensive standpoint. He was terrible. And that extend all the way through. How, how Garcia had 315 plate appearances, I don't know. Moncada was awful except for about a five-game stretch. So, like, you're giving at-bats to guys who are giving you no juice. And then you got Jose Abreu who's just like, all right, I'm going to keep doing my thing, but what do I got around me? It, it's hard. It, it was a hard season to watch on so many levels. And what they do now, it's the same guys making the decisions. So what changes? And I think it's telling, too, when Elvis Andrews and Johnny Cueto are some of your best players throughout the season. Well, that's just it. Right. This isn't 2015 anymore. It's 2022. Right. Elvis, <laughs> uh, you know, Andrews comes in and, and he's the fire starter that, wow, look at all the, off the scrap heap. He's the guy that has to become your leader and, and good for him. He had a fantastic run. I hope he parlays it into a, a giant pile of cash because, I mean, he gave them the juice, you know, going back to the comment earlier. but. That's it. Two guys like that with all of that talent and guys you paid uncharacteristically, you paid a couple of these guys earlier than you normally would historically as a, as a franchise. And then they're unavailable for long stretches of time. It's frustration, certainly for White Sox fans. And, and there were a lot of expectations on this squad this year. How do you feel about Tony La Russa not returning? Is he the main problem or things going to get better because he's gone? But what do you make of it? Players seemed to like him, right? Everybody showed up for the going away party, uh, which they didn't need to do. So, um, or maybe maybe there's a memo I missed that leaks somewhere, but it seemed like there was a genuine like of him and that it, it wasn't necessarily a, you know, uprising in the clubhouse kind of thing. But, you know, you got a little bit of run with Cairo there for a while. Uh, that wasn't sustainable. Because you know, water finds its its space, right? I mean, it goes back to back to its level. And this was a team that was fundamentally flawed in in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know that it's good or bad. I mean, you know, I, I think people could make fun of it all they want. In the end, guys have to go play. You can talk about a bullpen move here or there. Every every manager has those just he's 77 years old, which means the punchlines are there. He's had his troubles with the law, right? All of those things are there. And unfortunately, they color everybody's decision making, you know, decision on how his decisions are made out here in Los Angeles. Dave Roberts does crazy stuff with his bullpen. But you know what? They're good enough to get away with it. Because if one guy's not hitting, guess what? There's a murderer's row coming up behind him. Right. You got three guys in that lineup that can go without a hit for weeks. Doesn't matter. So enough guys to carry it. And when they do give you a timely hit, it's a bonus. We didn't have that luxury. Um, look at Joe Madden going back to winning the World Series. Every night we were first guessing what the hell he was doing half the time. Like he was rolling Dungeons and Dragon dice <laughs> to try to look at a big score sheet to decide what was happening. Most of those were illogical. Right. If you go from a strict baseball perspective, but he played his gut, played a little bit of percentages now and again, and they ended up hoisting a trophy. Was it sustainable? No. 
But for that season, you pull the strings. For Tony Larusa, he wasn't going to get the benefit of the doubt. And it doesn't excuse like some of it and kind of brushing off and, and like media, media kind of went at him a lot harder, but he tried to brush stuff off and that's not going to work in Chicago, especially when there's expectations, right? If it's another year with young players on the come, then sure. Some of those answers, it's fine, but no, you were expected to be better than a 500 team. Who do you expect his replacement to be? Or do you have any oh, I have, preferences? I have no idea. I mean, I, I joke when, you know, in the middle of the year, it's like, all right, just just put Ozzy back in the dugout. If nothing else, maybe relates to the players. Maybe there's something there. Maybe, you know, just the demeanor is something that, that can bring something out. But I, I hear LaRoche. I hear, you know, there, there's a bunch of those names that are swirling. Again, I, I think managers get too much credit. I really do. Like you got, you got to have ball players. You got to have guys that, that can go do it. And, and it doesn't mean that there's not an importance to the psychology of it. You know, pitching coaches, hitting coaches, whatever. Don't dismiss that at all. But it, you know, and it, and it goes back to the whole, I mean, bringing basketball with, with the preseason starting, you know, when people dismiss Phil Jackson, it doesn't have to be a grand scheme. It has to be a basic thing that you can execute and you have to manage egos and figure out a way to get guys to buy in and give you a hundred percent every night. And that's the big, large question. Who's the guy to unlock that? Because in theory, you're talented enough, right? A lot of it's easy, right? Even bullpen management and, and folks can hate me if they want. I've always likened it like the double switch when everybody was all, you know, in the nationally, it was a blackjack card. Like he bought for 99 cents before you sat down in Vegas. <laughs> what do I do at this point? Oh, there's two outs. Let's see. The pitcher's hitting third this inning. Uh, let's right. There's, there's gut, there's feel, there's analytics and it's some massaging of it all. But in the end, players have to play. You, you can't go up there and swing a bat for him. I mean, if a guy's not hitting well, you know, the only thing you're controlling is getting him out of the lineup, which if you want to have one fault, the loyalty to some of the players, they're going to snap out of it. No, they're not. They're having a terrible year <laughs> and they need to be on the bench. I don't know what your replacement, you know, is, and we can get into war and all those fun stats, but you know, that that's for me more in baseball, the role of a manager than anything else, because the GMs are doing a lot of the puppet string pulling as to situational baseball anymore. Do you think we should see more change at the top for the White Sox with Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, or even Jerry Reinsdorf in some capacity? Ding, 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 ding. Hey, there, there you go. Um, and, and that's <laughs> why I gleefully said it. If it's the same guys making the decision, how do you expect there to be progress? Right? Because they're going in with the same histories, the same likes, dislikes, biases, whatever. And that was part of the, the other part of the, the Tony hire and even some of the exit stuff on the way out is, you know, people want their access. People want to stay nice and friendly with teams, just like it was in the 60s and 70s or whatever else. And, and Jerry wanted his guy. I find it hard to believe any of the reports that he's going to back off a little bit and let the baseball people. It's not the way he's done business for 40 years. Suddenly that's going to stop now. Come on. <laughs> you, you won one title. Uh, 2005 is a long damn time ago. 
right? It's like I was talking about with Tomlin. We can do the John Harbaugh thing. We, we can go all the way through. You only get so many years. Look, look at Lovey. They, they got to a Super Bowl. The recognition of you can't win down the stretch, you can't beat the teams with a better record or equal record down the stretch, all of those metrics, in division, go on down the line. At some point, you have to say that honeymoon is over. For the White Sox front office, until Jerry does that, it's going to be more of the same. A lot of, lot of hope, a lot of promise. And just like when you open gifts on a holiday morning, all of a sudden it ain't what you ask for. It's another pair of damn socks. Oh, 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 oh. my goodness. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is. It's another pair it, of damn it, socks I mean, and underwear. But it, but, right? I mean, it's the definition of insanity, right? Yep. Doing the same thing over and over <laughs> and thinking you're going to have a different result. So long as those decision makers are there, I mean, you're, you're barely making the playoffs in a, in a division where the Tigers have been grossly mismanaged at long, for long stretches of time. The Twins have no payroll. The Guardians, formerly Indians, they always have a nice nucleus of players, but not a deep roster. You're in Chicago. You've got many, many years where you've made a lot of money. You've won titles. You actually invested in a, in a few pieces this time around. Good. Spend money. Cubs always spent money, too, back in the day. Folks forget this. They spent it, but they spent it on guys that people, hey, they know their names. Doesn't matter that he's a 35-year-old junk baller at this point, but he's <laughs> he's a name and people know who he is. But it's now the, the idea of unless you change how you're making your decisions, you're going to run into the same problems. Mike, before we finish up today, last question. Is Aaron Judge the real single-season home run king if he gets to 62? No. No? Okay. A lot of people have said yes, but you say no. You give Barry Bonds the credit. Well, I I, I mean, I'll I'll do the the quick and dirty. I could do this for an hour (laughs) at a time. Um, My biggest problem with the way baseball's handled all this is everybody was complicit. And it goes back to, you know, the little, I mean, kind of side-eye comment I made about retaining access and being in good favor with management. Because the the owners that have been in power for a long time, that's what they came into, right? You want to be around the team. You want to know what's going on. You're going to kiss my ass. Exactly. Frankly. I mean, that's where it is. And for baseball, that's what everybody did during that entire era for pick, pick your beginning and end dates. So if we're going to say that Bonds and Sosa, like Sosa is the guy that's gotten screwed most. I mean, he gave the Cub fans three of the greatest years you will ever see a player. Like I remember being in the stands for those in that month of June, the most electric feeling him walking to the plate. You can't recreate that. I don't care what they're trying to do in New York or anywhere else. That was a fever pitch at Wrigley field. And all of that, if you're going to say that that's inauthentic and Clemens, I mean, the three guys that have, you're going to just say, well, they were the best. It's like Lance Armstrong, right? Everybody was cheating. He went and was the best cheater. We could talk about timelines and, and go into his whole life and cause and effect and whatever on a lot of things, but we'll, we'll save that for another ranting session. In this case, you had three guys that in a period that we we now acknowledge, pitchers, hitters, everybody, and I say everybody in obviously air quotes, 
But the people who weren't, they didn't say a damn thing. Right. Fans were coming through the turnstiles. Reporters were around those locker rooms. You're telling me they didn't notice guys' bodies changing and ask questions that you were going to take. Yeah, I just hit the hit weights a little harder. Like everybody turned a blind eye. The broadcast booth, all the sanctimonious guys on their soapboxes now, they made millions of dollars. The game made billions of dollars. It saved the game between that and Ripken Street, right? The blue collar man showing up for work every day. Those two things saved the game. And now all these years later, we're going to say, oh, no, 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 forget it. We didn't take it out at the time. Everybody, because everybody got fat. And then it became in vogue to say, oh, this guy cheated, that guy cheated, this guy. Well, what about these other guys that have made it into the Hall of Fame? Man, I, I don't know 100% one way or another, but if we're going to castigate three or four guys selectively, you're going to tell me guys that nearly matched their totals were obviously clean? Like anybody that ever tells me this guy, I don't believe it for a second. I'd smile. I'm like, really? They achieve nearly the same heights in that era where we now kind of acknowledge that it was rampant and you're going to just decide because you like them that they had to be clean because they had the best image. They had to be clean. And even now, right? Look, they're always looking to, to move past the next mousetrap in the process. So don't tell me there's not labs that haven't developed other things. So blindly accepting anything we see it's entertainment and you know what by entertaining more and producing more numbers you make more money and in the end it's an entertainment product and this doesn't mean i want it in high schools and colleges because people get mad at me about (laughs) that but it's the reality it it was part of the game you can't suddenly tell me 20 years later because roger maris jr or someone's pissed off (laughs) that you're going to let play it out and suddenly erase barry bonds's name erase those seasons that Sosa had, erase the McGuire home runs, you know, Steve Traxel and all those guys that were on that list. You can't tell me all of a sudden that just goes to the wayside because you like Aaron Judge, because you want a Yankee atop that board. All of those things to me are just ridiculous. You can make the argument he's not even the MVP of the American League this year, if you want, with what Shohei Otani's done. But for the single season home run record no thank you it's barry bonds it's then mark mcguire it's then a bunch of sammy sosa years <laughs> and then and then we get back to judge i'm fully with you, you i just wanted you, to I, I feel the same way i just wanted to be devil's advocate and ask you that question to get you on a rant because i saw the quote from roger maris jr and i laughed i actually laughed yeah. at it because that's ridiculous mm-hmm. doesn't make any I did, sense i did i did it on air as, as it came down we played it and I just, I literally started laughing. And Jason Smith, my, my partner on Fox Sports Radio, he just looked at me and goes, you really hate this. I'm like, I do. Like, it's the American League record. Great. You can't suddenly tell me all these things didn't happen. I watched it. It's like when they vacated stuff in college football and basketball. Right. Those seasons happened. Okay. If your investigation took seven years to complete, that's on you. They won. You want to put it on a play like Pete Rose. At this point, have you proven he gambled as a player? We know he did. <laughs> I mean, right. we're all, we, 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 <laughs> you know, we're all smart people. We can reasonably assume Pete was, but in the end, he put up these numbers, put a plaque, 
We put him in as a player and put a giant plaque underneath it to say what happened. Likewise, bonds and whatever. You want to just come up with some BS language about what transpired during the time, that's fine. But we watch these parades every year at, and the celebration of guys going into the Hall of Fame, including, and I've been critical of it with David Ortiz, you know, and go back to Piazza and whoever else. It's like, we're just, we're just going to let them walk in. And there's questions, there's rumors, and it doesn't mean they're all, they're all true, right? All the rumors are true. But you, you can't tell me that with this parade of guys who are, very tightly connected. It's like if we were doing, if we were in a, a, a mob movie and I had my whiteboard and I'm the cop, right? Pick whatever movie you want. And I can put little pins up and put the photo array of guys that are connected to other guys. All these guys were connected to other guys that got popped. And yet I'm to believe they went, nah, that's not for me, pal. I'm good. <laughs> yet I'm putting up numbers over here that rival a lot of these guys it's it's the sanctimonious nonsense of it john that just bothers me and people that want to you know talk about playing the game right and the purity <laughs> and sanctity of the game it's like you were all complicit you all made 30 year careers out of it made millions of dollars get over yourselves well mike thank you so much for joining me uh, great way to end the program always appreciate your tanks and your time and looking forward to listening to you on fox sports radio and having you on the program again soon I appreciate it. I should be more uh, short, brief with my answers to see how deep your list of questions actually get. Great talk there with Mike Harmon. That'll do it for us today. You're on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Mike Harmon himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalman, to Marvel Entertainment, making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zaglul. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. So long, everyone. No! No! You are the turtle!